YoMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Everybody, welcome to episode number thirty of Yo MTG Taps. I say that with a big smile on my face because, like, wow, we're on episode thirty. That's a lot of episodes. It's not really a lot of episodes. I'm about to be that many years old, so I don't want to. That's a whole. <laughs> it's, that's it's a not lot, a lot of years. That's a lot of episodes, man. That's like, <laughs> whew. I, uh, it's like, man, it's like, it's just feel like our podcast is one episode closer to death. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> well, this is Joey Pasco, one about to be another year closer to death, um, and Big Head Joe Panuska it's here. It's okay, I'm already dead inside, so... There you go. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better, thanks. <laughs> um, you know, we were going to start this episode with peanut butter jelly time, but... Uh, yeah. But, you guys uh, ever seen the hamster dance? Yeah, there's this really cool video on the internet of a dancing baby. It's like completely, uh, you know, computer animation. Yeah, it's really, man. really neat. But uh, you guys ever seen that? No. <laughs> uh, that's a shout out to Seth, who uh, told us our memes are old. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like we figured we'd do a little overkill on the on the old memes. Uh, every topic. every reference I make is ten years old or older. I always notice that every time I like impersonate Norm Macdonald doing David Letterman, <laughs> Tim's like quick to remind me. You realize you just made a fifteen year old reference, right? I'm like, yeah, I guess so, huh? It's like uh, those things are. I don't know. Uh, those things are still funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the point, right? It's whatever. It's it's funny. Uh, what, what, uh, Zach Galifianakis had a stand-up, uh, like, appearance on Conan O'Brien, again, like, back in, like, 2001. And he's like, so I thought for this set, he's like, most comics come up here and they, you know, just rehash their, their typical stand-up routines. He's like, but I thought for this set I'd do something special. I'd do some new material, some fresh material. You guys keeping up with the whole OJ thing? <laughs> it's good, but anyway. So uh, I just have I just have one question for you: How is War Priest of Thune real? <laughs> no, uh, that's a uh, Mike Flores reference. Just right at the right at the head of the podcast this time. Shout out to Mike, who we haven't been mentioning recently, but uh, he's been uh, he's been pretty prolific with the blog posts on fivewithflores.com, and and we wanted to mention a couple of those. War Priest of Thune being. Uh, being a pretty awesome card from M11. Um, it seems so simple. I think it's just it's one of those cards that gets kind of not not so much attention because it's not flashy. But I mean, the fact that it's uh, if it had flash, it would be great. It, it would be exceptionally flashy. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it to have flash. But um, yeah, actually, he wrote, he wrote a post about dark tutelage. Did you read this? Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, we talked about this last episode about it being kind of. More like Phyrexian Arena than than Dark Confidant, but still sharing, sharing the uh, crappiness. The crappiness, <laughs> right? Because Dark Confidant's terrible. But you know, we, we we said it's it's the fact that Dark Confidant is a creature and thus easily dispatched. disposed of. Yeah, easily dispatched. Uh, it makes that so. It make that's just one of the ways that makes it better. But it's cheaper and it 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 also attacks. It's not like an O one. Um, right. And dark tutelage in a color that can't get rid of enchantments very easily, and it's more expensive. It just seems that I, I mean, 
You can't say anything won't see play because then you'll get, you know, it'll come back to bite you in the ass. It won't see play. I'm going to say it. Dark tutelage bit me in the ass. Um, <laughs> That's Hellcarver Demon on there. Yeah, actually, it does look like Hellcarver Demon. Um, but uh, check out that post as well. I, I thought it was a pretty good post, so I retweeted it. Um, but uh, so, so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, First of all, how was vacation? Vacation was good. I went to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico, and uh, I went all week without getting suntanned or sunburned until the last day when I guess I spent too much time in the pool and it rinsed off and I didn't, like, reapply the sunblock. I mean, I just stay in the shade. Like, I sat by the pool all week in the shade. Like, when a little bit of sunlight would get on my chair, I'd, like, you know, inch up further. (laughs) And then, and then, like, uh... You know, move. I'd be mean, moving the chair or moving the umbrella tables, like even though they're not really meant to be moved, they're pretty heavy. <laughs> I was just doing everything I could to stay in the shade. Uh, I just can't stand the sun, like the direct sunlight. It just burns. It's too much. But uh, speaking of which, I'm uh, working on a vampire. Yeah, speaking of which, right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you have to talk about it. Actually, talk about it now. You're sure. Why the hell not? So you said you actually. I think you posted this on Twitter earlier uh, about. And you told me this yesterday, how you're trying to play Tier 1 decks disguised as casual decks. Yeah, so, it's, so just, it's just something fun. I've been, like, I've been really in the mood to have a lot more fun. Like, I don't know. I, not, not that playing control isn't fun, because it is. It's really fun. I think playing Magic is fun. But, like, I've just been in the mood for, like, simplicity lately. I don't know why. I've just been in the mood to play, like simplistic decks and while trying to maintain the power level of the decks you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so so i'm playing a vampires deck right now i was like man vampires has two lords and three if you count the monument so i'm like why not like what the hell it'll be fun i'm, I'm gonna dick around with this so like so right now i'm playing a vampires deck i just built it last night at like one in the morning so i don't really know how effective it's going to be or whatever but I was really in the mood to game with some mono black, and so I decided to do it. Um, but but recently, mostly you've been playing mono green. Yeah, the mono is... green deck has devolved into the most stupidly simplistic, like consistent deck imaginable. Yeah, rule of nine, right? Yeah, it's, it's basically rule of nine, except there's three copies of one, and you know. So what is it? Run down the deck. Okay, so Lanawar elves, four Lanawar elves, four tree speakers. Four Lotus Cobras, four Nest Invaders, four Kozilex Predator, um, uh, <laughs> four Metodic Slimes, four Garricks, four Eldrazi Monuments, and three Wolfbriar Elementals. And forests. seven Fetches and a bunch of Forests and two Oren Reefs. Yeah, I was going to say, Oren Reef seems like it would be good. Um, it is sometimes. So, I, I, did you play that? Well, this last FNM that you ran was the it launch party. It wasn't FNM, it was, it launch, was launch party. party. Right. right, okay. So, so b- before that, you'd been playing mono green in most of them? Oh, honestly, uh, two weeks ago, I wound up playing the blue-white Eldrazi deck. Oh, and, like the Flores-Drazi deck? Yeah, and I did terrible with it. Um, yeah. But I was, um, you know, I, I was supposed to sell my Baneslayers that weekend. So I was like, oh, I'm going to game with this one more time before I sell those Baneslayers. Oh, fair enough. I'll get more Baneslayers. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, now that they're in print for another year, I'm, they have a lot more opportunities to get them anyway. I, I can trade my ass off. Right. That's you know? that's true. Um, 
What did you do? You remember like what you lost to, or what you had trouble against? Oh man, well, I lost. I lost to Turboland. Me and Lloyd actually played a three game set that was pretty epic. Yeah, um, was he playing Turboland? Okay. Yeah, it, we can never do less than epic when we play each other. Um, <laughs> that's a good thing. It was a lot of fun. I can't rem- honestly. I can't remember what the hell happened. Like a bunch of tokens, top decked all his dust, cleared his whole board. And, like, I think I'm going to have won that game. But I just don't, I don't, I just yeah, don't yeah, remember, it's, it's all good. I was just curious, like, because I hadn't talked to you. Because since I've been gone, a lot of this, a lot of this conversation here isn't, uh, isn't, hasn't been pre-hashed. Yeah, we <laughs> haven't, we haven't worked all this out. We're, right. we're actually catching up because we haven't seen each other in a week. Yeah. And Joe hasn't had access to, like, communication. Yeah, Joe told me something about yesterday, like, that, that he was pricing out singles for the store, and he said that they pulled, um... You know, like what two primeval primeval titans and and two grave, two grave titans. titans, and I said, "How much are they?" Just curious, and he says thirty and thirty five, and I'm like, "Wait, what? Wait, what? How much is grave titan?" <laughs> because I got him at twelve before I left. Yeah, and I and so I didn't realize it had jumped. I'm like, "Whoa, what did I miss? How much is obstinate bail off?" <laughs> because I that was the one card I only opened one pack of M11, and it had a bail off in it. So, um, pretty pretty appropriate given that was the first rare that we saw it was, it was out of the uh the pulled spoilers that we got that was the rare yeah and so it was pretty uh it was pretty neat but well, i've got and now i'll have five of those but yeah unfortunately that one didn't double in price or triple like uh like some of the other ones did but i thought it was interesting too uh pat chapin wrote on his facebook page weird time reversal half in price and grave titan doubled yeah, it was just funny. Like he wrote that, you know, obviously sarcasm there. But uh, yeah, apparently, uh, time reversal is now like fifteen bucks. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, that's what he said. I'm, I'm just checking on Star City. Let's I check it out. Last I saw it on Star City, it was actually still thirty. But I might have fourteen ninety nine. Yup. Dave Heilker, go ahead and scoop them all up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so. um... No, I mean I, I can. It's a neat card. Like we've we've talked about it in the last couple episodes, but I will I will grab them at ten to fifteen. Like I, I don't mind trading properly. I don't think I'll buy them. Um, I just you know I, I don't know that it's going to be worth much more than that. I actually I'm, know a bunch of people who have them willing to trade them. Uh, yeah, but and, I was just like, no, hold off. That's what yeah, I, was like. I think I'll hold off on that because I got a Bane Slayer from. This kid, see, I'm already working on the next set. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you, you, what do you have, five now? I have five Before you're selling. Right. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I obviously, being away, I missed all the M11 stuff, unfortunately. All the, the pre-releases, I missed the launch party. So, you're going to have to tell me about your experiences, because I'm curious to, uh, to hear about it. Okay, well, uh, uh, first let me let Adam Staborski tell you about his experiences and let him, uh, tell you a little bit about his take on EDH douchebaggery and just douchebaggery in general. That's right. You did an interview with Adam. So uh, let's, have, throw, let's slap yeah. it in right here. Have a listen. Hello. We're building Star Wars models with Adam Staborski, writer for DailyMTG.com. I, I love models. We Don't we all? Um, <laughs> uh so we're we're chilling out in the empty store before the storm hits. Um, this is Sunday, whatever date it is, July 11th, 11 for M11, doing our pre-release. Adam was gracious enough to 
come and join us. I love 45-minute drives for, for this stuff. This is great. Adam loves 45-minute drives. I think maybe it'll be better if I do it like this. Maybe, sort I, of. I don't know. If I just go back and forth really quick, I think that stereophonic effect. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like a wah-wah pedal. <laughs> so um, I think the first thing I wanted to ask you about was um, there's been a lot of stuff going on, a uh, lot of debate over EDH douchebaggery. And yep. um, I wanted to uh, let our listeners hear your take on this whole uh, situation. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I wrote an article about it for um, for Man and Nation. I'm a weekly writer there for Wednesdays, so please tune in if you like me or tune in if you don't and pick apart my articles. Either way, I'm happy that you came and, and read my work. So um, the the problem is, is that, you know, just to summarize everything I, I can, um, is that everybody kind of has their own own view of fun and that, you know, the, the EDH rules team and Sheldon Mentory spoke to it uh, quite a bit, is that there's a vision for EDH that it's, um, kind of like the, kind of in, a, in an overgeneralized sense, a Timmy Haven, that you can play with big spells, you get to do cool things, there's a lot of neat things going on, you know, and you're not, uh, and you don't have to be as concerned about um, some of the things that, you know, the more competitive Magic players worry about, which is, you know, your mana curve and, and, and having the correct counters to the correct strategies at the correct time, you know, and, and both ends are, are very important. Um, and what's happening is, is um, you know, it's very natural that EDH has grown and lots of people love it and lots of people try different things. And so everybody kind of comes with their own take at it. And um, it, it's, when those, it's when people with two very different outlooks meet up and they're not, uh, not anticipating it, not expecting it, not really prepared for it um, in the sense that they're, they're, they're knowing what their opponent's kind of looking at. Um, you know, that's, that's where the conflict really comes down to. You know, I mean, I definitely run Strip Mine and Wasteland and, you know, Perkestead and all these really great spells in my decks because I know I want to have the answers. Um, but I definitely don't look at, you know, trying to fetch up the Crucible Worlds and actively rip somebody's mana base apart as my goal. You know, and so I think that, you know, it's it's really difficult to find a balancing point between players that want to want to bring their, their best techniques and the best things they can do and the players that just want to, you know, throw down some dudes and, and have a bunch of fun and have wacky kind of different stuff that they don't see in limited and they don't see in standard and they don't see in legacy. You know, it's it's a very different type of experience for them. Definitely. Um, like the, my major my major problem with with EDH lately is that it's become like way too spiky. Um, I don't, you know, I understand the, you know. I, I, the one argument that I really agreed with, um, I think, uh, I think it was from, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alexander Shearer's article. Um, what the hell? Gifts Ungiven. Yes. Um, I yeah. think that, uh, that was one that I cited. Yes. Yeah, so I'm familiar with that. Yeah. I think that I liked his point about like, you know, oh, you know, I can have my fun, but you can't have your fun because your fun is the wrong kind of fun or isn't my kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I feel like that argument is very valid, but then I also feel like the format as a whole has just kind of gone in this really spiky direction that's kind of contrary to the like nature of what it was the format was supposed to be. Um, and Ricky Hayashi said something about um, having a really long band list to solve that problem. He didn't say that's what they should do, but he was saying, like, that's what would have to happen to get yeah, to, things to, back. To ensure that, that it goes that way. Now, do you think that that's a 
good idea, or do you think that? I mean, do you think there should be a bigger band list for EDH, or do you think that um, we, sh- you know, we should just try to work, like, just put the answers in your own deck? You know what I mean? If you know the problems you don't like to play against, put the answers to those problems in your deck. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that banning a hundred cards or two hundred cards is is the answer. I mean, and I think that Sheldon spoke to that better than better than I ever could. You know, it's you know the it's an issue of it's an issue of of principles and the way you're coming to play, not an issue of what you can play with. Um, because any card can be you know there there are lots more cards than just a hundred cards of magic that can be abused. Um, you know, and when you start banning cards, you know, then suddenly it just becomes which three cards used together can be can be abusable for a similar effect. You know, and so it doesn't solve the issue of people want to bring and do very powerful things or or do um, or do you know uh, get their kind of Johnny gears going or. Uh, get their spike in gear and, and just try to get out there and, and do something really amazing. Um, you know the, you know the the answer is is that we're all, you know we're all just kind of douchebags. You know, and that's that's something I spoke to was just that you know, that you know I'm guilty of of both bringing really powerful stuff and, and stripping away somebody's color because I knew they were doing something really mean with it. You know, and and you know that might sound like hollow justification, and it is. You know. You know that I I'm not 100% convinced. You know I can balance it right. You know, and I think that we're all still sorting it out and trying to find um, kind of find where the where the battle lines are drawn. You know, and anytime you say okay, these hundred cards can't be used anymore, it it's a huge turn off the players. And the last thing you would you would want to do to any format is say, um, you know what, all of these cards goodbye. You know, and I think that there is um, there's definitely a lot of verbal outcry. You know, I guess a similar situation would be like the new extended. And um, you know, suddenly all those cards went away, and I think it was more of a financial hit that the Shocklands and some of those cards hit than, than hey, I, I really definitely want to try to play this seven years of Magic format. You know, people I think were happy with the type of change and, and why it happened, but kind of unhappy that suddenly these cards, you know, were no longer as as cool or valuable for them. You know, and um, I think it's going to take some time to sort it out. Um, EDH is because it's so popular. The more eyes you get on it, the more discussion that happens. Naturally, people are going to be intellectual about it, you know. And it's great that there's really smart discussions and really smart, neat combos and interesting things that you don't see happen coming up. Um, and I think that's just natural for match players to do that. Sure. Um, now, th- I think the other problem with with the EDH right now is the whole idea of like the social contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like. You know, we're we're a nation of laws. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we need things like this is what you can't do, this is what you can do, like spelled out for you. Do you do, I mean? Do you think there should be maybe like certain like rules in place, if not bannings, but certain rules to prevent certain like interactions? I don't even know how that would work, frankly. It, it doesn't, and and that's what I was really trying to trying to say um, in in a lot more words, apparently. Um, you know, it, for the same reason you don't bring, um, you know, a standard-based aggro deck to Vintage, you can. The cards are legal. It's perfectly fine to register it. You can certainly give it a try. But that, that type of approach, that mentality, um, doesn't, isn't appropriate for that format. It doesn't work. You know, the, whether you're playing, you know, a 10-proxy Vintage or, or, you know, you're, you're, you're at GenCon trying to, trying to take it to, you know, the, you know, the, the 40 Bear deck. You know, I mean, it's a, it, it's a joke. It's a satire deck. You know, and it's that way for a reason because that's not that's not appropriate for vintage, you know. And so I think it just it's going to take some time for players to adjust themselves and say, you know what, this viewpoint that I have that I want to bring to EDH isn't maybe that isn't the correct kind of viewpoint to bring, you know. It, you know, you want to go, you know, it's it's really fair that it goes both ways. 
you know, I don't, I definitely don't talk about standard and deck techs and the things like that because that's not, that's not the view I have, and that's not the things that, you know, the the things that I'm interested in aren't appropriate to to reference in standard. But you know, in the same way, you know, when you come to the casual world, um, you know, and I think EDH is kind of the flagship of, you know, of, of casual land, if it were, um, you know, maybe maybe kind of looking at yourself um, is is the right way to go. You know, you can't change how other people play. You can ignore them. You can talk about them. You can bitch about them. That doesn't solve the problem of how am I having fun? You know, and, and I've said it before. I'll continue to say it. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And so it's, it's not an issue of I need to change my deck. It's I need, I need to change my framework. I need to look, look somewhere else. I need to look for different players. Um, you know, it's, it's a personal adjustment. And I think it's just going to take some time to season out. All right. So I was just telling Adam about uh, this kid, Mason, uh, who just came and bugged me about when we're going to open. Uh, he's always quick to tell me when I'm two minutes late to start uh, our tournament. Uh, we usually start at 6.45 on Friday nights, and he'll like be like, it's 6.47, come on, it's 6.47. So he shows up at 10.40 going, uh, so uh, can I sign up? I'm like, dude, you're the one with the watch. Tell me what time we sign up. Sign ups are at 11. I'm like, it's 10.40. So, um, you know, he's 12, but, uh, I'll, you know, we both give each other a hard time. Um, so I was just telling Adam a story about how uh, we were playing one night at F&M, and um, I got pared down against him. He was out of contention, and I needed to win to get in contention. So I asked him, you know, I'm, like, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you want to scoop to me just to make sure that, you know, I can get into top four, uh, and we'll just play, play the match for fun. Um, he's like, he didn't just say, no, let's play it out. He said, no, I want to beat you. I don't want you to make top four. <laughs> so, which, which, you know, I, I think I want to beat him anyway, but uh, it was just funny because we kind of have that sort of like uh, – sort of relationship, I guess. I don't want to say I have a relationship with a 12-year-old boy. But anyway, uh, and Adam said you had something to play off of that, not the relationship part. But No, no, cer- certainly not. Um, you know, for anyone listening, no. The, um, the thing I want to play off of that is that, is that you know, uh, you know, Gifts on, you know, and, uh, Andrew Shear uh, talked about, you know, the, the unwritten rules and casual magic and walking into an environment and, you know, just suddenly having it sprung like, oh, you can't do, you know, that's not right. You can't do that. You know, there, there are unwritten professional rules too. And if you don't read the articles, if you're new to professional magic, if you say you had a really great day, you show up, you start playing, you know, and the, the kid who was playing for a month and went to a pro tour, you know, I apologize to forget his name, but he was interviewed, you know, was he completely in on all of the, the subtle rules and not even, not even rules, but just expectations of, you know, Hey, if you're out, but I can get in with a win, scoop to me, you know, pass me on, you know, Hey, I need these cards, you know, lend me a Vengevine. I need to, to play, you know, there's a lot of card sharing and kind of, kind of pulling of resources among, you know, the professional community. And um, if you're an outsider to that, you know, you're, you're just as out in the dark and unaware of that as, as the, the professional players coming to, you know, a random kitchen table and not knowing what, what the rules there are, you know, and I think it's, I think it's important in general, just, you know, that, that as a community, as, you know, we really need to be communicating. We need to be talking and, and, and sharing the things that, that we know, uh, whether we, whether we think opponents should know them or not. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really good point. Um, cause it does work both ways. You know what I mean? It works, uh, you know, casual to professional and the other way around, you know, um, I feel like sometimes and that's one of the things like I feel like it's like a lot of the the problems with EDH are honestly innocent enough. You know, like uh um my friend Lloyd, um I've played against him in EDH and like and he's a vintage player. Had never played EDH and I talked him into playing 
opened up a can of worms because he's now he's like I don't even want to play standard. I just love EDH. Like he loves it, and I think it's cool. And I actually like like he does some really ridiculous stuff. Like he's just like uh, Mana Severance, Charbelcher, <laughs> like you know, like stuff like that. And um, and honestly, like when it's Lloyd doing it, I really don't have a problem with it. Like because he just loves. He just loves it. He's having fun. But I feel like, you know, some people could look at that like, oh, my God, what a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, he just killed me with, like, one card. But, like, I feel like a lot of the EDH problems, if you will, and I made air quotes, sorry, um, are innocent. You know what I mean? Like, it's innocent enough. People are, like, you know, naturally spiky players go, ooh, new format. This looks fun. And then just show up, make a deck, and it just winds up doing this, like, ridiculous stuff. That I don't think they had any idea would be considered bad. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like some of the articles that have come out recently really kind of are a good guideline to like how to coexist. You know what I mean? With between like you know the more casual EDH players and you know spiky players who come into the format not trying to you know be a d bag, but like just happen to be looked at as one by the people who don't have, you know, Char Belcher or Mana Severance. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's just a, a matter of, you know, perspective. You know, what I was talking about before, you know, the, that, you know, the, everybody's having fun, you know, and if you're having fun, you know, that's, that's great. That's the whole point of, of a game. You know, if, if you have, if you go to a game, you're not having fun anymore. You know, that, that's an issue. Um, you know, the, I mean, the, the idea of the social contract isn't, you know, how can, how can we, how can we force everybody to play the game the same way? It's coming to the game with, with a slightly different perspective of, you know, how can I ensure everybody's at least having fun? You know, and, um, you know, the people, different people find different things unfun and different people find different things a lot of fun. And, and the right balance is all about just, you know, communicating and, and not necessarily, you know, uh, hitting an opponent or or playing down to them. You know, there's a lot of you know very derogatory ways of looking at. It. But you know, making sure your opponent gets to do something. You know, it's it's not a bad idea when you're playing a casual format that's supposed to be a boatload of fun. You know, I don't think it's wrong to 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 not strip mine, you, you know, an opponent's um, you know uh, Volrath stronghold when they're when they're not you know recurring um eternal witness you know when they're just getting back a dude that they're getting life with or or you know that they're using to to go get a land with you know it's not as bad you know as maybe it looks like you know it's it's strong it's powerful it's abusable but you know it, it's all about you know the the degree at which you you kind of approach that right so um enough about this i want to get into <laughs> cuz we're here for m11 today yes. um i i want to get into some m11 stuff so uh did i say m11 whatever uh, eleven, eleven. This one goes to eleven. Color Evelyn. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's uh, been using the "this goes to 11, uh, uh references oh, all weekend, oh, yeah. all weekend. Um, but anyway, um, I wanted to talk about you uh, managed to gunsling yesterday, yep. right? And um, you were gunslinging from a sealed deck. Is that correct? Yes. Cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, all the details of my pull and, and like the actual build of my deck, um, so you can tell me how wrong it is, uh, will be in Tuesday's article on Daily MTG. Um, but it was uh, it was an interesting blue black build. I didn't have preordain or foresee Jace's ingenuity, um, and I only had one Doomblade, and I didn't have uh, any real bombs other than a redirect and a clone. But um, I had tons of three drops, uh, two mana leaks, 
Um, and I definitely just played like an aggro control, getting my dudes down and keeping them from, from putting their big dudes in. And uh, Flyers still win. Uh, evasion gets there. It it hits hard. And, um, you know, people forget that, you know, I, I won games on the back of just sending one two power flyer in, you know, ten times. Yeah. my fav- I think my favorite thing to do in Rise was uh, to draft all the glory seekers nobody wanted and then put Drake Umbers on them. There's, um oh, what's his name? Is it... Uh, one of the one of the Japanese players, uh, um, not Saito. Uh, man, I'm really bad at this, as you can tell. Um, he that was one of his strategies. Is he picked up the the cheap the, the cheap guys and like Drake Umbers and like the huge like evasive flying stuff. And uh, you know he he was doing that at the Pro Tour um, and winning. I had uh, I think I, I drafted like two champions Drakes. Uh, the ones that get plus three, plus three if you have a creature with a certain amount of level counters yep. and, like, one leveler. <laughs> so, like, I was like, I just want the flyer. I just want that I just want that flyer to go in over stuff, um, which I was berated by uh, by uh, Marshall and Ryan from Limited Resources for uh, telling Mike Flores to draft Glory Seekers. He's like, did you really just tell him to do that? <laughs> I was like, man, like, come on. So... But so they don't they don't like it. <laughs> but uh, I had a lot of success with it. I think I like three owed one draft and then like two one another one. So I mean like it wound up working for me. Okay, um, it was Japanese nationals. Oh okay. Not there wasn't a rise pro Takahiro Mori. Maybe maybe. Or, yeah. or I know it's in the event coverage that that they were talking about it. Glory Seekers and Drake Umbers. He had like three of each and apparently. Works good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So uh, maybe they'll ch- maybe Marshall and Ryan will change their tone a little bit. Well, it's it's a parasitic strategy. It plays off of other people playing to the expected strategy. You know, it's it's something that you have to grab those Jerry Gumbers, and then you can pick up the the things that are getting tabled. You know, ten pick, eleven pick. So, what sort of like you played against different people's sealed pools? What sort of uh, strategies did it look like people were going for? like, with their decks that they were bringing to you? Yeah, there, um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of the standard go-to core strategy of, you know, looking at the, the four to five drop plus, uh, getting there and just having, getting your bombs out. Um, there were there were a couple, uh, you know, uh, more aggressive strategies, definitely uh, Arc Runner, the Elemental Ox. Um, it will hit you for five on turn two. Uh, you will experience it if you play enough games. Um, it took me quite a while, and I finally got it, and, you know, when you're at 10 life going into turn five, it's a little intimidating. Um, against a red-white deck with lots of dudes and burned, a, um, you know, splashing for fireball, splashing for bolts, splashing for active treason, which is a common. Um, active treason game. is a common. Yes, it's. Uh, I saw it all day. Fling's in there, too. So, you know, if you're doing math and you realize, oh, I'll drop the six and they have a six six damage dude, you may get flung. So um, it it hurts and it happens. So it's, it feels much more like a big expansion. Think, think like a, think like a normal expansion. Zendikar was really fast. Rise of Eldrazi was really slow. This is like the sweet spot in between. Three drops are very good. Barony Vampire, um, Cloud Elemental, they, they do a lot. There's a lot of two power flyers and, um, running into those decks, having that three drop to, to, to even be blocking with is, is solid. Um, you know, four toughness creatures are still king because of Bolt. Um, you know, a lot of the rules are, are pretty similar, but it, it definitely plays a lot faster. Cool. Um, so I think we're about to open in a few minutes here to uh, start taking sign-ups and stuff. Uh, some Mason will settle down. Um, 
<laughs> pacing out there like a damn hungry lion. Um, so I just want to give you the floor to uh, just say anything else you might want to say to our listeners, uh, any sort of shameless self-promotion you might want to do. <laughs> More than welcome. Go for it. Well, I, I think driving 45 minutes to do a podcast is pretty much the definition of shameless self-promotion. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think I need to, to take the floor for that. But um, you know, I, I you know I would just encourage you know if if you if you don't read a lot of articles, um, try to read a few more. Try to read different articles. If you do read a lot, um, it's really easy to get sucked into looking at one thing over and over and over, like practicing for you know standard or practicing for extended or or you know limited environments and. And that sort of singular focus um, can really take away from from just you know communicating and, and coming at the game with a refreshing outlook. You know, I, I think uh, you know I think it's a I think it's a bad idea to focus on one thing too much. And um, sometimes it's it's okay to step back and play a bad deck for the wrong reasons and just get a kick out of it. You know. It sounds good. I should show you my uh, mono green deck that I've been playing with lately. Um, <laughs> it's. Joe said it's the least fun he's ever had playing against a mono green deck because it like it looks like a total Timmy deck. It's not. It's it's like a combo deck. It it, it can just win on turn four sometimes. It's really stupid. Obviously, you're in. <laughs> so uh, so Mason has officially broken into the store now. Um, so so I guess that uh, I guess that means this interview is over. Um, Mason, come here. Come here. <laughs> tell our listeners something that you want to tell them. Joe looks like Bobby Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there, there we have it. This is uh, this has been UMTG Taps. Damn right. Let's go play some magic. So that was uh, Adam Staborski, who writes the serious fun column on Daily MTG. Um, he, this is his second. And he uh, writes an article for Mana Nation. That's right. He also writes for Mana Nation. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, this is the second time he's come to one of our release events, right? Did he come to the pre? Was pre-release. it? He came to both pre-releases. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, thanks, Adam. We definitely welcome you to show up anytime you'd like. Yeah, you can um, come knock on my door at two in the morning and be like, "Why haven't you called me?" Like. <laughs> so, uh, so now, Joe, I want to hear about your uh, your experience. Um, okay. At the pre-release. Yeah. Pre-release. Pre-release and release events. I'm kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. you yes. drafted at the, 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 launch, the party launch party was, was our, draft. Yeah, yeah, our launch party was booster draft. Um, see, I really wish I would have paid a little more attention to, like, archetypes or maybe just listened to limited resources. Uh, yeah. But I didn't have my headphones for, like, two weeks, so I'd, no headphones means no podcasts for me. Because, like, my speakers on my laptop suck. Yeah. So, um, didn't really have that good of info going into the draft. But I did draft an interesting deck. We're going to get back up here. Pre-release. Pre-release, yeah. So, six packs. I opened a Frost Titan and a Grave Titan. Oh, that sounds so good. It was pretty damn good. Two Mythics, and they're both Titans. You know, yeah. You didn't, you didn't open something dumb like Time Reversal. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But that well, wouldn't be a very good in a sealed deck anyway. No. So, um, so go ahead. I'm sorry. I'd have probably played it for fits and giggles. Yeah, but right. Like, no, nah, it would have been pretty terrible. Um, although, I mean, you know, draw seven and limited is probably seems strong. Yeah, so basically, so could be good, yeah. what I did was I played black, blue, obviously, splash of white. Um, my splash of white was for condemn, 
two Stormfront Pegasi. Yeah, Pegasus. And uh, Pegasuses. And um, they only got one toughness, they're sissies. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and an excommunicate, which I originally want, had two, because that was like most of my good removal. I didn't really draw much, or I didn't really open much good removal. Um, had an unsummon that like wound up making its way into my deck and like shit like that. Um, lots of scry effects. I had like two preordains and uh, two foresees. Crystal ball? No crystal ball, okay. but I mean, with two preordains and yeah. two foresees, you don't really need it. It's like, all right, I got, I get there, you know, I get yeah, all the way yeah. in there. Um, so my problem, I mean, it's, I, I basically, I had a pretty decent deck. Okay, mm-hmm. game around one, I play against Noyan, mm-hmm. and Noyan is playing like I think green black, right? I beat him in one of the games. We probably had a really fun set of mm-hmm. matches, uh, or set game, of games, set right? of games. Both games that he won, mm-hmm. he won with overwhelming stampede. Oh wow! The first overwhelming stampede was on a pumped to eight six Inferno Titan, <laughs> and nice. the second overwhelming stampede was on a Duskdale Worm. Well, which the, which that is that the seven seven Trampler? Okay. Good God! Oh my God! I mean, he just whooped me so bad. It was fun. I mean, like. We had, you know, we had, a, we, like I said, we had a fun set. It was really cool. How did you, what, did you, you played three games? Yeah. How did you, do you remember how you won yours? Grave Titan, Frost Titan. Right, okay. That's what I figured. Um, round two, this was the best, oh my god, so this is the most greedy shit I've ever pulled. <laughs> Mul- I, okay, seven card hand, one land, mulligan. Six card hand, six lands, keep. <laughs> I'm on the draw, right? Right. So I go, draw land. Oh, God. Play land. Draw land, turn two. Play land. Draw mana leak. Pretty good. <laughs> okay. Play land. Counter whatever crap he was trying to do. And I, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's fine. All I need to do is rip a, uh, rip a titan off the top of my deck on turn six and I win. <laughs> that was my mindset. Was All I need to do is rip, off, rip one of my two titans off the top of my deck on turn six. Right. And I win and I'm fine. <laughs> so the next turn I rip uh, Child of Night. Yeah, play oh, yeah. it. Blocker, right? right. <laughs> Gain some life. Fifth turn, I think I flip over land. Okay. Play it. Turn six. Frost Titan. There you go. Play it. Turn seven. <laughs> Grave Titan. <laughs> it was the sickest thing. It was so wrong. I shouldn't have kept it, but I totally did, and it totally worked. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was just like, I got both. I feel like everyone. I was like, all I need is one of my Titans, and I get both of my Titans on consecutive turns. Did you win? Yeah, <laughs> won. Oh my god, who I were won. You, who were you playing? I don't remember. New Kid. Okay. Round three, I did another greedy keep. I kept a one land hand, and that land was the only land I saw that whole game. <laughs> yeah, you were taught wrong from, was, from round two. And I was playing green, playing against green. Right. Game one, he starts with the ley line of vitality on the battlefield. Oh, nice. Face palm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Like. Well, it's not, at least it's not the worst, you know. Right, but I'm just saying, like. It just sucks when your opponent starts with a ley line when yeah, it's limited like, and they have one ley line and they're just like, oh, cool. Like, it's just like, oh, it was just so hard to race. Like, um, but anyway. Well, it's definitely hard when you see one land all game. So. Well, that, that was that was game one that he did that. Oh, game, game two. two he started with the ley line. Sorry. No. 
Strike that reverse it. Okay. Game one with the ley line, game two, one land, the whole game. Okay. So I lost that one pretty bad. And then round four, I smashed face again. But, like... So I ended up... There were 17 players at our pre-release. Um, I ended up 2-2, 13th out of 17. Oh, oh that's... <laughs> I was the worst of the 2-2s. <laughs> like, I literally was last among the 2-2s. That Oops. sucks. So, yeah. Whatever. But, um... Um... Okay, so launch party... Um... How many people? We had 10. Okay. Launch party, I decide... Well, I started drafting blue stuff, like, here and there. Like, preordains and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I like... I like to play blue in my decks, because I like to be able to dig and draw right, right. and stuff. Um... So... Started drafting some blue stuff, and then I started getting a bunch of arc runners. And I was like, oh, arc runner, oh, arc runner, oh, I'll take that, I'll take that. Well, I have four arc runners want to play mono red. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine, I'll play mono red then. So, like, I built this mono red deck. And, see, the stupid my stupid mistake was I only drafted one lava axe. I could have played the lava axe deck. Oh, wow, yeah. And I didn't think of that as an archetype, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I could have totally played... Say, I'm not a limited player. If mm-hmm. I was a limited player, and I sort of seen a bunch of Lava Axes, I'd have been like, Lava Axe, Lava Axe, Lava Axe. But, like, you know, I probably should have taken... Like, I think I think I'd passed, like, one or two for other red stuff. Uh-huh. I think a lot of it had to do with, like, I didn't wind up getting any bolts. Uh-huh. But I had, like, two uh, Chandra's... Whatever you call that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chandra's... The damage one. Not, uh, the, not the flyer. Spitfire, what I keep saying, Outrage? Chandra's Outrage. Okay. You know, so I had, like, I had some removal. It was just, uh, I didn't have any cheap removal. And then, like, my curve seemed like it was running a bit high. So I was trying to lower my curves. I think I might have, like, drafted, like, stupid two drops over Lava Axe once or twice. You know what I mean? Um, but overall, it was an interesting deck. It turned out... To work all right. I, w- I was 2-1 going into round four, and I played the most epic match of, of my, I think, one of the most fun limited matches I've ever played. So what was it? I was playing against Ray Martinez, and he was playing, uh, I think he was playing, he was definitely playing black. But anyway, point is, you know, I'm playing red, and I'm trying to beat him beat his face, but, you know, unfortunately the Arc Runner doesn't have Trample or anything. He plays Phylactery Lich. Oh. Puts a counter on his crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Right? I've got Fling in hand, and I'm like, man, if only I had an Act of Treason. Top deck Act of Treason. Oh, so good. So good. So I'm just like, hmm, alright. Act of Treason, steal it. Swing, swing, and fling. fling. But you know what I didn't? You know what I did? Huh? Because I had arc runners in my hand. Mm-hmm. I flung it at his creature and not at his face. Oh wow! Well, you any reason? Like you just? Think I about- wanted to clear his board so I could get in later, but I should have flung it at his face because at the end of the game mm-hmm. he was at four. Oh, and you lost, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so then he plays Elixir of Immortality. Which one? Is, that's the, the game. Game five, life yeah. shuffle your library. So he shuffles back in, and he's digging for... Because he's still got a phylactery counter in his crystal ball. He's trying right. to dig for that damn lich. I'm like, fuck, i got to kill him. Like, So then he plays Elixir of Immortality. Oh, God. Does it again. So he gains ten life in that game. 
Oh, and you still would have had him. You had him down to four. You would have killed him. Well, who, what creature was it that you killed? Do you know? Oh, it was a something irrelevant. Something I shouldn't have killed. Okay. Something I could have probably killed with a blocker or something, but whatever. So I wound up going two two. In, in the launch party as well. Yeah. So, so you're four and four. Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime M eleven. Uh, yeah, I got to turn that around. Limited. Was there anything else that you noticed like that? That when we. Uh, we played the Rise of the Eldrazi Limited. We we all thought it was a really slow format. That was our initial impression. Were there any initial impressions overall of M11 that you uh, that stood out? You know, I mean, like not like uh, I can't really give any. I mean, I'm four four in the format. Yeah. I can't really I just give curious. any strategy advice. But can, I mean, all I want to say about it is that it is really fun. Like yeah. I I had so much fun playing. Every one of those games. Even the game, like, like it kind of pissed me off because, like, the game at the pre-release where I had one land the whole game, <laughs> dude, after the match, I, I, don't, I didn't know him. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. You know, like, sorry, but, you know. And I was yeah. like, I said, why are you sorry? I kept the hand. <laughs> like, I was like, it was fun. I don't care. Like, I had fun. Like, I even had fun in that game, the game where I should have been like, oh, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I had fun playing that particular game. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> it was just, it was, it's just a fun set. I feel like the set's really entertaining. It's really fun. Um, I feel like the set's also really good, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, if it was a crappy set, it wouldn't have been fun. Were there any cards that uh, that stood out as being better than, than you expected? You know, hmm. anything that... Or, or or something that you expected to be good that really wasn't. Like, how was Ark Runner? Exactly as you expected, or, you know? You know, like, the the no trample is very relevant. But at the same time, like, without, like, where I didn't see a lot of bolts, mm-hmm. they weren't a bad removal spell. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, well, I could pay four to deal four damage to a creature, or I can deal three to deal five damage to a yeah. creature. You know, like, yeah, you want the damage to get in there, and every once in a while, it was sweet, like... Oh, and the turn after he uh, used the Elixir of Immortality to go to 18, mm-hmm. I go, Arc Runner, Arc Runner, swing for 10, in. Like, nice. Just straight in for 10. Drafting red's tough. <laughs> because everyone just grabs a bolt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, everyone opens a pack and sees a bolt, grabs a bolt. Like, right, you don't, you don't get bolts. You don't get bolts unless you open a bolt, yeah. basically. So it's like, ugh. So it can be it can be tough, but um, I still like you know blue white bunch of chumps, <laughs> like bunch of flyers. I I still think blue white skies is like really strong. Fauna shaman. Did you play against fauna shaman at all? No, but I did uh, totally rare draft one, uh, pack three, pick one. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, at that point I was in mono red and there was nothing good for me in that yeah. pack. So I was like, well, it's also the launch party, you know what I mean? Like everybody's kind of, at the same time, I think a lot of people go into that with more of a rare drafting um, mentality, me. mentality than usual, than later on. Because there's so many times, you know, nobody has any of these cards everybody's going to to try to get some of these. You know, nobody's going to look... You're going to open a Fauna Shaman, I think you're going to take it in most cases, unless you... Unless the card dropped in value ridiculously. But, you know, if you're going to open a, a $12 card, um, you know, you, you make... You, you win the draft, right? Or you make your money back from drafting right there almost. You know, mm. so... Unless there's something else in that pack that's just ridiculous. 
I mean, I, I, and this is just my logic, but I think that that's something that it would really be uh, would be a tough call between something that doesn't fit in your deck at all, but is worth like twelve bucks, and something that does fit in your deck, and as you know, potentially some. What if there was a bolt? You know, you open that pack and you've got Fallen Shaman and Bolt. Bolt it seems like a really good pick. Right, but do you you would have taken the bolt? I'd have taken the bolt. See, I think I would just hedge my bets and go, I'll take the shaman because at least I know I win something right there, right? I'd have taken so, the bolt. I, I, I wanted I wanted more bolts. I, I didn't see yeah. a bolt the whole draft. Yeah, see, my my experience, and I, this is obviously not with M11, but in so many situations, like even when I win and then I open my packs and get crap, I'm like, I should have just rare drafted something that, you know, that I liked that I would have rather opened because I would have just had that, you know, like in a situation like that, uh, you take the bolt and you win and you don't open anything as good as a fauna shaman in your winnings. And it's like, great. I just opened a bunch of crap that I'm going to be able to do nothing with when I could have actually used the fauna shaman or traded it. Even if I had lost, you know, it it just kind of depends. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I I kind of I'm disillusioned with what I've gotten out of packs in the last few months at winnings and and things. So just because well, that's because we were that's because uh, we were opening packs of Rise. Right, Rise of the Eldrazi basically has Gideon, Vengevine, and crap. So <laughs> I mean, I guess that's that's part of it. But even Worldwake, um, I mean, at least Worldwake, I'm happy opening a Creeping Tar Pit or something. You know, even though... It always uh, got some good stuff. No, it does. And that's one of the reasons I started switching back to opening World Wake. Right. One, to play the Jace Lottery, and two, because I, I can use Manlands. You know, the, those those are relevant. But I, in, in this situation, Launch Party, pre-release, and any number of packs is good, so I can see the logic in that, too, because you don't have any other rares. Right. You know, you're not sitting there like, well, I have all these crap rares, or I have all these, so you have more of a chance. But I think that's almost the same... The same logic goes for the the rare drafting when you see something like Fauna Shaman or, gosh, Primeval Titan or something. You know what I mean? What happens if Primeval Titan's in that pack and both? I switch to green. No, yeah. <laughs> right, like, I splash green. Uh, but, yeah, Grave Titan or Primeval Titan are... Th- those are the money cards besides Baneslayer, which obviously is a money card, too. But what what are the top three... Or wh- I guess what are the top five money cards in this set, do you know? Baneslayer, number one, Primeval Titan, number two, Grave Titan, number three. Guessing now, at this point, it's uh, Time Reversal, number four, and uh, Fauna Shaman, number five. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, I gotta get my set of, I'm getting my set of Destructive Forces today. Yeah. One foil, three regular. Cool. Somebody, and I think it was somebody from O2 Drop, mentioned about, uh, about Destructive Force, the fact that Planeswalkers exist and Destructive Force isn't going to hit Planeswalkers. Neither would Wildfire. That's why you play it with Planeswalkers. But, well, I mean, it, it makes it good with Planeswalkers, you're right, but it also, you know, the fact that it doesn't get rid of Planeswalkers could be relevant. It was just a good point. No, it is, it is a valid point. So I guess moving on, uh, one of the things I, I did want to mention is in the rules update, there were uh, this thing called emblems. Yes. Which, it sounds to me like an emblem is more like a uh, term than an actual kind of, like, card type or something, which is what I thought of. I was like, what's an, you know, is this a new card type or what? Well, it you know? kind of is. It's, it's, a, it's like a token. Right, exactly. It's, it's more, but it's more of a, a term to clarify things. So, like, what, what apparently it is is kind of like a, uh, a 
It's it's a and it's kind of like an enchantment with a static ability. That's what how they they put it. So like Elspeth uh, is the one card in the Oracle update that will technically create an emblem. So instead of the wording on her ultimate ability being uh, for the rest of the game, artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and lands you control are indestructible. The new wording will be you get an emblem with artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and land you control are indestructible. So it's kind of like this. This, uh, it's it's not really a permanent, but it's it's sort of like a permanent, right? Yeah. That that can't really be destroyed or targeted or anything like that. But it's just some sort of marker that represents a certain ability or or, or game state kind of thing. So um, just something to be aware of. Uh, it sounds like elixir of immortality was was given errata already. The question was, if you gain control of the elixir somehow and then you use its ability mm-hmm. who who shuffles what library and who does the shuffling was like the confusion okay I see so yeah because the, the original wording is uh, tap 2 and tap it you gain 5 life shuffle elixir of immortality and your graveyard into your library so that obviously isn't clear about if some somebody were to steal it um from the, uh, from the update, it says, um, This is a new M11 card and has a problem. When creating the wording for this card, we neglected to consider the case in which you control Im- Elixir of Immortality, but you don't own it. You certainly don't get to shuffle Elixir of Immortality into your own library in this case. Uh, rule 400.3 says, If an object would go to any library, graveyard, or hand other than its owner's, it goes to its owner's corresponding zone. Still, we don't like to rely on players knowing that rule, and we do like cards to say what they actually do, so the elixir is getting immediate errata. Um, So the new wording is, you gain five life, shuffle elixir of immortality and your graveyard into their owner's library, which puts the elixir back into the owner's library, but shuffles your graveyard into your library. So... uh, you know, I guess that clarifies things. That that's what they were trying to do. You know, that was the intent of the card. So that clearly, at least more clearly, states what's supposed to happen there. Um, so you know, that's something to uh, to be aware of as well. Um, now, did you read Chapin's article this past Monday? I don't think so. What was it? It was uh, about deck building and net decking and a hive mind kind of thing. No. Okay. I know you loved it. Uh, it was, Chapin is... I mean, I know everybody knows that I'm a big fan of Patrick Chapin, and, uh, but I can't say enough how much his writing is just consistently stellar. You know, I can't... Uh, it's, I can't really emphasize it enough. Next Level Magic, and then just every week he puts out something that I think, in one way or another, is just, uh, is just amazing. You know, some, somehow, whether it's through like, hidden references to things. I don't know if you read his article a couple weeks ago, but he hid, like, uh, the, the the combo for Contra, the up, up, down, down, left, right. <laughs> he hid that into his into uh, his paragraph. You know, he kind of put those kinds of things in there. And it, it's really great to see this, those kinds of things. It's entertaining. Even if, uh, you know, content aside, it's pretty entertaining to see that kind of thing. And, you know, people will complain about it, but people will complain about anything. But this week is another just, it's like a classic in a strange way. It's not like a classic on any specific 
uh, item of theory or anything, but it changed my mindset as far as net decking and just deck building myself. Now, he makes this point in Next Level Magic, um, and he made it in this article as well, and I know you read it too, uh, about the ants. The ants that will, they're basically, it's built into their, uh, their nature to just, if they get lost from, from like, the, you know, their home, their ant hill, they just follow the ant in front of colony. them. Colony. Colony, that's the word I was looking for. So if they get lost from their ant colony, they just follow the ant in front of them, which ends up in this phenomenon where if a bunch of ants get lost, they just go in a circle. Because there's no front ant, it's just following the one in front of it. So they just keep going around in a circle until never, or until one of them somehow veers off. You know, and then they just keep following it. And he applies this to players net decking. Hmm. You need the rogue deck builders to be the ants that veer off, otherwise the, the metagame becomes entirely stagnant with everybody just copying off each other and nobody innovates. Nobody, nobody strays from the, the rest of the... You know, the herd, the herd of ants now. Now it's a herd of ants. <laughs> the flock. Gaggle. Yeah, the gaggle of ants. The murder of murder. ants. Murder. <laughs> I was going to say murder of ants. So, uh, but that's what we're doing. And, and a crush it, of ants. But that seems to be what happens here with, uh, with deck building. And it's become more and more common, I think, over the years. Because of the internet. Because of the internet, right. right. And, and it, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. Because, uh, like, like Chapin points out, you know, you can... Uh, basically, the hive mind uh, that is the internet. You can you can put a deck out there. You can go on Magic Online and play it. And if it starts to do well, you have more eyes on it, more eyes tuning it, more eyes playing it. You know, more people playing it to to fine tune it. And suddenly, this deck just you know is is tuned very quickly. But um, at the same time. Uh, if everybody's just copying other decks, you're never going to have... You know, it, 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 he makes the point that there's only a handful, you know, uh, maybe a dozen really strong deck builders out there right now that everybody is kind of just, you know, getting their decks from, for the most part. I mean, there, obviously there's, there's exceptions. Obviously there's exceptions to every rule, and... and um, but you know, look at our metagame. Look at look at what happens as far as like it's even even when the format is healthy, how many decks are there? You right. You know, like even when there's ten decks, like how is it there's only ten decks in these thousands of cards we have in the you know however many cards are in the format? We have hundreds of cards. The you know hundreds of possibilities of combinations to to build, and everybody ends up with the same you know ten decks, for example. So. Uh, definitely, you got to check out that article. The, the article is uh, on Star City Games. It's innovations from um, from Monday, July the twelfth, and the, the article is metagaming and deck building: the three laws of prediction. Um, which he, he also in the article goes about um, explaining how all these metagame shifts are very predictable if you just know how to do it. Kind of. Living in the future, which is which is one of the uh, the phrases he likes to say, where you kind of predict the step beyond the next step, you know. And um, so, if you haven't read that, definitely check it out. But if you don't have Star City Premium, you can get uh, some of his thoughts on the same topic on the recent episode of the Magic Show. Uh, 
Evan Irwin interviewed Chapin, and, and the the most recent episode of the Magic Show is entirely an interview with Chapin on M11, uh, you know, the hive mind topic, and generally this whole topic. So so check that out. Um, I'll put links in the show notes, of course. But if you're listening to this on Star City, you're already one step ahead. You're already living in the future. Um, but I wanted to mention that stuff. So um, another thing I wanted to mention, Alex Shearer, uh, who does Gifts Ungiven, mm-hmm. um, giftsungiven.com is his blog. He is he's created a, a questionnaire called the Magic Effectiveness Project, which you can download and fill out. He's basically trying to um, trying to kind of create this this survey that will identify players' strengths and and why good players do well at tournaments. So um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that too. I, I think the more the more people that respond to his survey, the better the the results are going to be. You know, the, the more data he has to work on. So um, so check that out. Go to giftsungiven.com uh, to see his blog. And like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes that uh, that'll get get you to the right place to download that. Um, another thing, big news. We have a marvelous team up of a dynamic duo of financial gurus. <laughs> you like that? It's uh, Kelly Reed and John Medina have teamed up. MTGmetagame.com and QuietSpeculation.com have kind of joined forces to create DoublingSeason.com. Some in on it too. Right. Well, I'm going to get there, but it was mainly these guys created it. Right. Uh, John and Kelly created the site, and now with the help of Doug Lynn and Russell Tassiker. Also, an appearance by Dave Rockstar of O2Drop.com. Uh, basically, they're creating the Internet's premier source for financial uh, financial magic advice. And uh, definitely check that out. Okay. DoublingSeason.com. DoublingSeason.com. They did an article just last week. On, on the eBay About thing? eBay <laughs> that is single-handedly like one of the most incredible articles I have ever read on magic finance. I feel like I felt like I was stealing from them reading that article. <laughs> like I'm like why did you not charge for this article? Cuz they're probably going to have premium content, which is fine. Right. I I will certainly pay for it. But like they know what they're talking about and you'll make your money back. Yeah, you'll make your money back uh, following their advice, yeah. I've been following their advice for a while now. Yeah. And they've they've never steered me wrong. Hence your ability to get Chase cards without having a really steady forty-hour work week, kind of right. Thing, right. Although I did work forty hours in the last four days. Right. Well, well, that's rare, right? Very rare. So, uh, so, so, tell me about the, this eBay article. It's called "Maximizing eBay Profits." Douglas Lynn is the, uh, the yeah. writer of that one, but uh, it, it's definitely um, it's given me some. I don't want to talk insight. about it. No, no. You get no, well. They got to read it. They have I'm just to saying, go to doublingseason.com and read the eBay article. Now and then read the rest of the articles. And then read the rest of the articles. Read that one first, because if you're not sold on this site before you read that article, you will be after you read that article. I just felt like it was so helpful. It was just like real world advice. It was like it wasn't like, and I feel like the advice isn't just transferable to magic. Like you could, I I, I sent oh, it yeah. to the owner of the comic book shop who doesn't deal with any magic stuff. Right. It's just, it's a good article about selling on eBay. I was like, dude, read this. I was like, you need to read this. You know, like it was an article that I think, you know, cross platform right. article, you know, it was exactly. very useful. 
These guys um, know what they're talking about. Yeah, so uh, so definitely check that out. Um, um, we did get a comment a couple weeks ago, and we haven't really talked about it yet because of the last couple episodes. We've been, you know, kind of in guest mode. We had had guests on several of the episodes. True. So uh, uh, someone named Mike left us a comment, uh, and I'll just read it. Um, I'd love to get into a little back and forth with you guys on the following subject, so I may follow up with an email. Well, he didn't. Um, <laughs> why has no one called to ban Jace 2? He's causing more format issues than Blood Braid Elf, considering he's in nearly every Tier 1 deck. He started showing up in Eternal format decks. Even Jund has found ways to get him into the deck. He will likely rocket past $100 once the Lara block rotates, unless there's some sort of hate for him or Planeswalkers in general. While there may not be one specific archetype that is clogging up standard because of Jace, decks that have no business using him are finding ways to add him. So, uh, what do you think? Did you see this comment? Yes. Have you seen it? Okay. Yeah. Remember we we talked about it Did briefly. We, yeah. Okay. I think what we I think what the conclusion me and you came to was just attack him. Right. There's so many answers for Jace. Right. Like creatures right now are really good. Right. Which. I mean, Planeswalkers are really good, too, but that's the point. I mean, creatures are a natural uh, way to, to fight Planeswalkers. So, right away, creatures being so good and so prevalent, you almost every deck has answers to Planeswalkers. Not to, not to mention, part of the reason he's in every Tier 1 deck is because he's an answer to himself. Right? I mean, people are playing Jace Bellerin not for his own abilities, but because it says, Planeswalker, Jace. You know, that's why people are playing Jace Beller. Now, I mean, he's he, he's keeping people, he fights opposing Jaces, but that's, that, and that's the main reason I think people are playing Jace Bellerin. Um, so there, that's just answers to Jace right there. Creatures and other Jaces. Uh, like, like Mike said, he's not really um, clogging up, it's not one archetype clogging up standard, which I think was people's problem with Bloodbraid Elf. Because it was just all John. Nobody was complaining about Boss Naya and you know and, and decks like that that ran Bloodbraid. People were mad about Bloodbraid because of Jund, because it was a core to the deck. And uh, Bloodbraid didn't get banned either. So why why would Jace? And you know? we would never call to ban Bloodbraid. I mean, we would never. Well, let me take that back. We would never call to ban Jace on this show because. You've got Joe Pasco here, yeah, um, and uh, <laughs> it's he not like my favorite card even ever, if, right? Even if uh, Joe thought it should be banned or thought it was too powerful, he would never say that. I, I would not say that. He would <laughs> never say that. He would never come out and say it. He'd I be like, "Oh, just, it's fine." Exactly. I would just keep hoarding them until I had nine or eleven. But uh, but as far as Jace is concerned, like I just wanted to mention, besides the answers, besides creatures and other Jaces, there's uh, lightning bolt, any kind of burn spell. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Oh crap! God, was that an old meme? That was an old meme. <laughs> that one was not intentional. Because <laughs> I, I was totally shooting my hand at Joe, going lightning bolt, but like not saying it, and he right. said it. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, so, so any burn spell works against planeswalkers. Um, <laughs> also, oblivion ring. Uh, bounce spells. There's so many answers to Planeswalkers that, uh, you know, Bloodbraid Elf, it was a lot harder to answer a Bloodbraid Elf. Yes, it's a 3-2. That part wasn't so hard to answer. Removal, right? Blockers. But the fact that it played another spell, you needed, 
you know, you needed two counter spells to deal with it, or you needed a removal spell and a counter spell, or two removal spells, or you know what I mean? It was that's what made Bloodbraid Elf uh, kind of so strong. And again, Bloodbraid Elf didn't get banned either. So, um, and Bloodbraid Elf was making Jund into a, an extremely uh, consistent. And thus, extremely popular deck, and that's what happened with that. Yes, Jace being you know a million dollars or however much he costs now, um, I'm sure it's frustrating to people. But uh, you know that that's because he's a good card and he is a mythic rare. And I, I don't know. That's a whole other topic as far as like the prices of these cards are concerned. Wizards can always. Uh, reprint him. Mm-hmm. You know, people were speculating the reprint in M11. He, I don't know, I didn't expect them to do that. I don't even know if I expect them to ever do see, it. But with, with Elspeth and Tezzeret. Now, Tezzeret wasn't expensive, but Elspeth was. Did you see what, the, um, what Aaron Forsyth wrote about it? No. He said on Twitter, he's like, I have no idea why anyone thinks we would ever reprint yeah, that card right. in a core set. I, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how I felt. It didn't really make sense. Now, I understand it's expensive, but, uh, I mean, I don't really have an answer for that. You need to read DoublingSeason.com, and you can uh, you can find ways to get your Jaces. Trade better. Yeah, I mean, or or speculate better, right? I yeah. Mean, get the Jaces, you know, get the key cards early before they're ridiculously expensive. Now, I mean, the thing is, there's a trade-off. And I, I wrote this in a comment um, on GatheringMagic.com. They wrote an article that really had nothing to do with with uh, the price of cards exactly. It was more about um, the fact that we just had, like... Um, it, it, it was more about the fact that the lack of mono-colored decks in in Standard. Um, because there's so much... Because there's so much mana-fixing right now. And, you know, I, while that's a separate topic, uh, and I do agree to some extent because... I would like to see more mono-colored decks as well, but uh, the problem is we just had Shards of Alara, which is still a legal, you know, a legal format, or a legal set. It's a legal block, and it needed all that mana fixing, so that's why we have so much of it. Now, I don't know what's going to happen as far as, uh, you know, sh- Scars of Mirrodin showing up. I don't know what kind of difference that's going to make, but anyway, here, here, the article is called Now You're Splashing With Power, um, and it actually became a discussion in the comments about card values, and, uh, you know, the card values are entirely based on results, right? Good cards become more in demand and thus more expensive. That's why Bloodbraid Elf was $7 at some point, right? Because mm. it's an uncommon, but it was expensive. Path to Exile, another card, you know, it, everybody needed it. Um, the... Uh, Cards aren't good because they're expensive. They're expensive because they're good. And how good a card is, is entirely based on context. If you look at something like Avenger of Zendikar, a month ago it was a crap mythic. It's a bulk mythic. Not a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, and now it's over $10. Right? I think it's like 8 now. Oh, okay. It, it might have dropped some. But still, $8 isn't a bulk mythic. Bulk mythics tend to hover around 3 bucks, I think. And he was definitely... Or it. I don't know if it's a he. Uh... <laughs> Avenger was definitely a, a bulk mythic at some point. Then it showed up in a deck, and it became a good card. I mean, are people going to go, I don't, it's too expensive for me. I don't, you know, what happens if, if Turboland really started 
gaining a lot more momentum and Avenger went up to $30. Are people going to complain that it's $30? Like, you had your chance. At least with him, you really had your chance. Yeah. But, um, you know, and then you have things like Abyssal Persecutor, which was 30 bucks when it was spoiled. You know, I traded for one at 30 bucks. Uh, and, and unfortunately for me, I lost money on that because now it's, what, 10 Yeah. Something like that? I mean... You, Not to mention there was an Avenger in that trade, I think. Yeah, I traded an Avenger towards a Persecutor. Now they've... I, I could have traded an Avenger for a Persecutor. Straight up. Straight up, right. But, you know, that's what this game... That's part of this game. That's part of what makes it a trading card, a collectible card game, is is the speculation on card prices. And, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to take some hits here and there, and you're going to make out better in other cases. You're going to get cards cheap that are going to go up. My point is, if you don't want to play with the expensive cards, you don't have to. Uh, just keep in mind that what you're saving in money, you have to make up for in time and energy to create a deck to make cards, the cheaper cards, the less expensive cards, good cards. You know what I mean? You go ahead and build a rogue deck using the cards that aren't so uh, expensive, and if, it's a, if you put the time and energy into it, you can make a deck that wins... I'm not saying it's going to necessarily match up all the time, but my point is, and like Chapin said, you know, there's so many possibilities, and we're not seeing them all. You know, even the thousands of players that play this game, you know, it's not covering all the possibilities here. So, uh, you, there's a trade-off. You have to, you have the choice of playing the established best decks and paying the price in money, or creating our own build and paying the price in time, energy, testing. Etc. In order to win, you can't have both. If you want to win, you have to pay for it somewhere. You know, you have to either make your deck one that wins without the expensive cards, or just get the expensive cards. You know, and the problem is so many people are complaining because they want both. They want the easy. I want to play that net deck, but it's all expensive. Well, that's because it's a good deck, and right. it's a good deck, and it's in demand. People want to play it, and that's why those cards are expensive. So, if you want to play that deck you're going to need to get those cards. You're going to need to pay the price. If you are willing to forego playing the established, popular, in-demand, expensive decks, then you, can, then you can try to use your brain and your time to build a deck that can compete and not pay for the expensive cards. You know, look at Mono Red. Mono Red is still a very cheap deck, and it's a good deck. Jund even. Jund even is a good deck. You don't have to... Just to play the best decks, it's not always so expensive. Right. You know, it's, it, you know even though I just said the more in-demand decks are more expensive, that tends to be the case. But look at Jund. I mean, Maelstrom Pulse was pretty much the most expensive card in that deck, right? And they're going for like 12 now. Yeah, I mean, and now. But even at their height, they were around 20. Yeah, 22, you know? 50 to 25. Okay, like, 20... I didn't... At the most crazed. You know okay, what I mean? Okay, like, so... And... and you know, it's it's almost like, well, I, I don't want to pay so much for, for cards, but I want to play a good deck. We'll pay, play Jund. Well, I don't want to play Jund. All right, we'll play Mono Red. Well, I don't want to play Mono Red. Come on, well, what do you want me to do? You need to do... You, you, I, we, I want to play the card, the expensive cards, but I don't want them to be so expensive. Well, like, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you have to make stop the choice Stop start brewing. Right, stop bitching, start brewing, exactly. Uh... I understand that the cards can be expensive, but if those are the ones you want to play with, you have to pay for them. And if if you can go without playing with those, then you can play Mono Green. How much does that deck come to? Huh. 
Right, the, your mono green deck, oh, uh, mono red. six bucks each. Right, it does run seven fetches. Ooh, they're like twelve bucks each if you right. buy them or trade for them. You know, like um, monuments, like the most expensive card in there. Like, other and where, how much is monument? Eight bucks. Yeah, it just seems. No, actually, no. Wait, there's lotus cobras. Okay, lotus cobras are in the teens. They're, I think they're almost I'm just twenty saying, now. They're not eighty bucks. Right, it's like eighty bucks for a set. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you don't have to play with Jace. No. You don't have to play with Elspeth. You don't have to play with Gideon. I but got you, a set of Jaces have been sitting stagnant for a while now. Yeah. I traded my Elspeths and Gideons. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, there's other choices here, and you need to make the choice. If you want to play with those cards, those are the expensive ones. You're just going to have to pay for it by buying them or trading for them. Um it, you know, that's just, it, that's what life is. A series of trade-offs. So, anyway, sorry to go on that rant. It wasn't actually intentional. I think it just kind of spawned off of the, the Jace comment from Mike. Um, so, uh, but I, I think that's about it for this episode. Um, we did get our first iTunes review. Did you see that? Oh, really? Yeah, I have to... I'll, I liked, uh, I liked what you just said. Life is a series of trade-offs. That's what it is, yeah. Amen. I like I like kind of got really reflective on that. I was just like, "That's that's ever that's life. That's what, exactly what it is." Um, so we we have our first iTunes review is uh, we we have an average of two ratings is five out of five. Nice on, on June twenty fifth, um, Mum Art, which may be uh, one of the crash test dummies, um, <laughs> wrote great stuff. I can't get enough of this podcast. It's like you're hanging with two very funny, clever fellows who also learn you some good stuff, too. Fortunately, they release new episodes pretty regularly. Pretty regularly, so I don't have to go without for too long. Thanks, Joey and Big Head Joe, for making my daily commute excellent. So, thanks to MMM Art for their, our first mm-hmm. iTunes review. Mart. Exactly. Uh, and, and, of course, anyone else is welcome to write an iTunes review. We would love to see it. Uh, I did want to mention a contest. Um, for this contest, all I want to happen is uh, people to leave comments on the Star City Games forum under our episode. And it's going to be randomly chosen from the people that, that post comments. Uh, all you need to do is comment on the episode. Like, please make some sort of intelligent comment. You don't just say, um, First. you know... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need relevant comments, but... Uh, Basically, I'm going to choose a winner randomly, and the prize is the Arch Enemy T-shirt that that we got from Wizards. It's uh, they, they're pretty hard to come by. Apparently, they were just promotional sir- shirts. And what do they say? Uh, it's going to take more of you than that. I think is what it says. Something like that. It's a cool shirt. It's a large. Say that. It's a large size. Large. Um. So if you require a shirt bigger than that, you can still win, but then you'll have to make it into a patch. Yeah, it's uh, the, it would be a cool patch though. It would be. It's it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a grayish bluish shirt. Um, it's more blue than gray. Uh, it's it's gray. Oh, is it gray? You think it's gray? no? I'm kidding. Yeah, it's, like, you. Um, it, it's got like the uh, the arc enemy. What, do you know what artwork that is? Um, it looks like a bunch of little stuffy dolls, and it says it's going to take more of you than that. And on the back it says, I'm your arch enemy. It says, I'm your arch enemy and uh, Magic the Gathering so, at the top. God damn it. You just confused the crap out of me because I always say arch enemy. 
You usually say arch enemy, but then you just said arch enemy. Because I thought I was wrong by saying arch enemy, so I corrected myself and said arch enemy. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure which is right, but either way. Um, it's so I'm Big Head Joe and you're Big Hedge Joe? Big Hedge. Hedge yeah. your bets? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, that's awesome. That's an awesome contest. I just learned about that. Yeah, I just came up with it earlier and I forgot to tell you about it. So I just figured I wanted to get some comments on our Star City forum. So here's the deal, uh, just, to, just to repeat it and clarify it because I kind of jumbled it a little bit. The contest is, or the, the prize is, for this Arch Enemy t-shirt, size large, um, the winner will be chosen randomly among people who um, who leave comments on the Star City Games Forum. So if you're listening to this on MTG Cast or getting it from your iTunes feed, go to StarCityGames.com, find episode 30, and click the, uh, click the link that says discuss this article in our forums. Um, you can comment, you know, just comment on the show. Just about what we talked about, any kind of comments you have, agree, disagree, tell us we're morons. But if you write, you are morons and don't write any more than that, you're not winning either. <laughs> we're going to randomly not I'm pick gonna, your ass. Right. If I randomly end up on that one, I'm going to randomly choose again. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest here. Hey, no, constructive so, criticism's fine. Constructive like, criticism, right. Constructive <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, uh... So, and that's that's going to be the winner. And um, if we get more than, see, I don't, I'm kind of thinking, what's a good number? How many comments? Um, let's 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 say more than fifty. Okay, I was going to go. Let's go thirty. Right. That's actually what I was originally thinking. Okay. But so I it's episode thirty. We'll just go with that. It's episode thirty. Go. I'm about go. to be thirty. We'll go with the thirty theme here. If we get more than thirty comments, or if we get thirty or more comments. We will also give away a Yo MTG Taps T-shirt. So it will be the winner will get one winner will get the Arch Enemy shirt. The other winner will get a Yo MTG Taps shirt. Uh, the grand prize is your choice. You know, if you'd rather have the Yo MTG Taps shirt, right? It, it, winner first winner gets first pick. Second winner gets whatever the first winner doesn't pick. Exactly. So um, we're under the assumption that the first winner will want the Arch Enemy shirt. Yeah, because they're harder to come by. Actually, no, there's probably there's probably more Arch Enemy shirts than there are Yo MTG Tap shirts. But either way, uh, whatever you guys would like. Um, so, um, by the way, I don't think we've mentioned it, but Joe has his own Twitter account now. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and it's not even updated on our Twitter account. What What do you mean? It says it still says I don't have my own Twitter account on our Twitter account. Oh, oh, that's bio. right. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix that. I'll fix it. Okay, we're gonna do it right now. Um, we should also post our two thousand tweet right now while we're still recording. Yeah, we're we? at one thousand nine hundred ninety nine tweets, and neither and like we're both like, what do we do? I don't want to touch it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's gonna fall. <laughs> Crap. Uh, so Joe has his own Twitter account now, which is OMG WTF BHJ. FTW, right, and uh, we'll, we'll put that, that. That's in the show notes already. It's on our yeah. website on IWantMyMTG.com. So if you want to follow Joe, you can do that. What should we do for our two thousand tweet? <laughs> our two thousand tweet recorded live on episode thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, now hold on. Um, we still have fifty-two characters. Yeah, right? uh, just write, write, Manalik. Mono green. Um, 
at five with Flores. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody said, I think that's what somebody was predicting that we would say on our 2000. Because I said something like, "Man, we're coming up to our 2000 tweet. I wonder what it's going to be about." And somebody was like, "Probably something about Manalik or some reference to Mike Flores or something about your mono green deck." <laughs> I wrote. Also, Manalik, Mono Green at five with Flores. There we go. So, there you go. You heard it live. Our two thousandth tweet. It's not live. It's pre-recorded. You heard us recording. <laughs> you know what I mean. The Twitter people get it live. The Twitter people get it live. They get live text from us. That's right. So just uh, follow us on Twitter at Yo MTG Taps, and you can get this sort of content live. <laughs> Thanks for listening. YoMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. You can also find us on MTGCast.com, O2Drop.com, TheStarkingtonPost.com, Top8Magic.com, and MTGMetagame.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps and Affinity for Blue.